How are we doing? Good, good. You guys go Black Friday shopping on Thanksgiving? No, okay. I did. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, hey, so uh, t- tonight's going to be a tonight. So you used to, I don't know, my, my body clock's messed up. Uh, but um, this morning is going to, the first part's going to kind of be heavy. Um, you know, it's going to kind of be heavy. Uh, and hopefully it'll lighten up. I uh, can't promise you that um, because of how James is going. Uh, you know, we have been going through this series called Counterfeit, and the gist of it, right, has been pretty much uh, calling out Christians who think they're Christians, but they're not, right? Uh, real Christians who have genu- genuine faith versus uh, Christians who are fake, um, and they just don't live it out. There's, there's no evidence of, of Jesus in them, okay? Uh, last week, Jim uh, really, I'm not going to touch too much about this, right? He talked about the warning to the rich because uh, James just goes in on them, right? Because they were oppressing the poor. They were treating the poor wrongly and all these things. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I don't know why that happens in Scripture, why they go so hard, but, but it just happens, um, you know, Scripture is raw. It's raw. It's R-rated. Uh, there are some things in it that are just like, man, God, that is really harsh. Um, that is really, really harsh. And last week was probably one of those weeks. Um, I know I, I saw like the first part of the sermon last week where uh, Jim was talking about how morbid it can be. Um, and, and, and James does get there. Uh, it talks about the end times. It talks about the end of life. It talks about life after this life. And um, King Solomon, right, uh, one of the wisest and richest people, uh, probably whoever lived on this earth, maybe equivalent to Bill Gates or the the guy from um, Amazon, Jeff Bezos or whatever his name is, right, uh, probably King Solomon, is. if he was alive today, he would be those guys. He had tons and tons and tons of money, whatever land, whatever businesses, he was this guy. And, and here's what Solomon says. Um, okay, this super wealthy dude, he says, uh, God has put eternity into a man's heart. Um, think of your heart as eternity. There's a God-sized hole within our heart that we continually try to fill with riches, with the things that we want, the things that we think we need, right, with money, this desire to be rich and all these things. And the richest guy who has ever lived on this earth says this, look, there's a God-sized hole within us. No material thing, no amount of financial stuff can fill that but Jesus and Jesus alone. This is King Solomon saying those things. Um, it, I see it all the time. I mean, going Black Friday shopping, right? I got a Google Home for Janine and I. 30 bucks. It's great. One of the greatest investments I've ever made in my life, right? Um, we, we got it for 30 bucks. I'm like, Janine, we should get another one. <laughs> why do we need another one for? <laughs> right? Uh, Janine says, she tells me, she, she's like, why do we need another one? One is fine, Right? But I'm thinking, like, if I get another one for our bedroom, then it's going to be so much better. We could talk to Google in our bedroom other than the living room, right? It's just dumb. <laughs> it's, 
It's evidence of this, man, we were created for something so much more. And so that's why James talks to the rich, and he's so harsh with them. And he tells them, look, your money ain't going to take you nowhere. It can't buy you into heaven. All right? Saving it doesn't do any of that stuff. It's not going to give you joy. It's not going to give you happiness. It's not going it, to... It's not going to fill up this happiness gas tank that you keep trying to fill up. It's not going to do that. Um, and so that's kind of a, a gist of, of what James was talking about in the first part of uh, James 5. Um, and, and today we're going to get into, the, in particular, the poor. Um, but before we, we do all that, uh, I, I, know, I know for me this this. Thanksgiving was really hectic, um, you know, with family over. Uh, and honestly, if I was to be honest, I didn't have time to just, man, God, thank you. I didn't have time to really reflect and quiet down and just sit in solitude and say, God, thank you for everything. Um, and I'm assuming some of you haven't. Uh, and so I just want to take a few minutes just to be quiet, um, for you guys to commune with God and ask Thank him. Ask him to speak to you today. Do, do whatever you got to do. Uh, just, just enjoy the silence. Um, and then I'll open us in prayer. Is, is that good? God, we just thank you for, just for you. Um, I know for the holidays, some of it is hard for people. Um, some don't have family. Um, and the people who do have family, they might feel like their family's dysfunctional and all that stuff. And, uh, but whether we have family or not, we just thank you that we are alive, that we're able to, to learn about Jesus, to learn to live and be faithful for Jesus can't stress enough that with, when we have Jesus, we have everything. When we have Jesus, we have everything. God, you say godliness with contentment is great gain. I just pray that wherever we are within our life right now, I just pray that we are content because we have you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, today's... Uh, message is going to be, just think of it as twos, a message of twos, all right? There's going to be two phases of, of patience. There's going to be two, two characteristics of what patience looks like, and there's going to be two examples of people who were patient, all right? A sermon of twos. 
Uh, so James, James 7, it says this. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how a farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. I hate these verses. If I was to be honest with you, I hate them. <laughs> One of Some of the two worst words to hear when you're aggravated and frustrated and annoying is for someone to say, be patient. How does that help? <laughs> okay. As someone who's really just, just temper just blown and you tell them, be patient, be patient. That's not going to help. Right. If there was a list of words never to say, most annoying words uh, on Google, maybe if you search it, it might be these two words, be patient. <laughs> right? Has anyone ever told you that, be patient and it helped? Maybe. But I know for me, when I read scripture, okay, I'm just like, what? Be patient about what? What do I need to be patient about? Right? Even in my tone, it's annoying that I got to be patient about something. Um, but two, one of the two most annoying words, be patient. And, and not only that, J James says it again in verse 8, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Be patient. Be patient, therefore, brothers, like a farmer. I ain't no farmer, so I can't relate to that. <laughs> but you farmers, you probably can, and you are patient in, in some ways. Right? And then he says it again, be patient. I struggle with this scripture. Because in my mindset, right, uh, he, here we go. Uh, in my mindset, as I read this scripture, uh, James is saying, be patient because the Lord is coming. Right? This, is where, this book was written 2,000 years ago. And, and here James is telling the people, these Christian people, to be patient because the Lord is coming. And here I am in J-Row 2,000 years later saying, hey, be patient because the Lord is coming. How dumb is that? telling you the same message 2,000 years later, the same message that James is saying, and how frustrating is that to be patient for 2,000 more years. I read the scripture and I'm saying, man, this is just frustrating. Same message 2,000 years later? Come on. When is the Lord coming? Here's something I do know, that God is coming back. He's going to bring justice to unfairness. He's going to bring justice to where, where it belongs. He's going to bring justice to where cruelty has happened, right? He's going to repay evil. He's going to take his vengeance. I know God's going to do that. When, I do not know. And so for me to say be patient to you guys that God is coming back, I'm trying to figure out how is that encouraging and help, helpful to us. 2,000 years later. Be patient. So uh, as I was struggling within this scripture, um, I, I really had to dig in more and more. Um, when we think of patience, we think of it in a different way. And so uh, here's the twos, right, two phases. Um, when someone tells you to be patient, most of us, okay, most of our mindset goes to a certain thing, okay. If you want to put the phases up there, please uh, put them up there. 
phase one, right? It, it, this is where most of us are. Be patient for this non-suffering phase of our life. Be patient for a car. Be patient for a Google home. Be patient for your future spouse. It's something, some material need that you have been saving for. Guys, be patient. You'll get whatever you want. Just save up for it. Right? Be patient. Right? When we think of that, when someone tells us to be patient, we think of it in those terms. We also think of it in a very selfish term when we're angry. Right? Where, where someone flips us off or something and you're just like, ah. Oh. You start tailing them. Right? <laughs> um, you're not suffering there. Right? When, when we think of be patient, we think of it in a very materialistic way. Um, and that's not wrong. Right? God's not cruel. There are some, you know, if you're going to buy a house, you just don't buy a house. Right? You look, you look at 10, you look at 20. Uh, for some of you who are lucky, you look at one and, and that's it, right? Uh, but you still got to be patient. Okay. Uh, but being patient within the book of James is, is completely different. Um, phase two, right? Being patient in, in suffering. Um, a lot of us here, if, if we were honest, we don't fall in that category. Because in the grand, we're not suffering. Have you ever been punched because you love Jesus? Has your boss ever treated you so wrongly that he put you in a corner? Have you ever been racially profiled? Have you ever been mistreated at all? Have you ever felt just singled out? And, and some of you might be there, okay? But for those of you who are not, you're not in that category. So to be patient, you're in the same category as I am. So that's why I was so frustrated with this verse because I don't get it. And if we're being honest with ourselves, some of us, when it comes to being patient and suffering, some of us do not get that. But the older folks in here, you, you, you do get that. You understand what suffering and pain is. You understand your body breaking down. And that's, that's suffering. That is. But in the context of James, he is talking to the literal poor. And he is saying, I know you're being mistreated. I, I, I know the rich are really oppressing you and treating you unjustly. But know this, that God will have his vengeance. That God will come back. He is coming back. He is going to repay evil for whatever they have done. He is going to take care of things. It is not your job, but God's job. And this is what James is saying. Be patient for that day coming. It's a hard concept. It's a hard concept because we're not there yet. But we will be. It's coming. The truth is, if you love Jesus, if you are absolutely devoted to him, at one point, it might not be in our lifetime. It might be in your kid's lifetime. Where because they love Jesus, they will be treated 
unjustly. They will be mistreated. Because they love Jesus, they, they might get punched in the face as Jesus did. They might get spit on. They might get hit with a stick for no reason because they bear the name of Jesus. So for this message, it does make sense for the future and maybe now. It says be patient. Most of us are in that first phase. And if you are in that second phase, I say what James says, please be patient. And, and we'll get more into that. Um, let's read verse 8 again. Okay. Uh, I don't want you to hear me saying, when, when I say be patient, not to just sit down. To sit down and wait. All right, that's just being lazy. Okay. Um, but what James uh, further comes into here, right, he, he further kind of explains himself. Here's what patience looks like, right. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Uh, if you could go to the next verse. Um, next one, sorry. Uh, it says this, right. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord as, is at hand. And secondly, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. The twos right here. Characteristics of what it looks like to be patient. Okay. Um, is establish your hearts and do not grumble against one another. Um, here's what it looks like to be patient. Right? It's to establish your hearts in the Lord and do not grumble against one another. So uh, I know this is... This is really, a lot of this is, it might be um, trying to understand what this all looks like. But uh, here's what establishing yourself in the Lord looks like, okay. This is a trash can. Um, we're all trash in, in comparison to Jesus. Um, okay. Uh, but here's what it looks like to establish yourself in the Lord. Okay. Um, if you want to get to know the Lord more, if you want to... Uh, be devoted to him, right? Devote yourself to the Lord. If you want to be dedicated to him, what are the things you got to do? Right? You, got to, you got to read your Bible, right? This is you. You're establishing yourself, right? Um, the ball, I don't know. I'm just trying to fill this up so you see, okay? Um, devotionals, right? The sword, because you, you got to fight for your faith. I don't know, um, right? Uh, this is what it looks like to establish yourself. You're just filling yourself with the Lord, you're not a judge, but this is in there, okay. Um, you are literally, this is what it looks like to establish yourself in the Lord in the midst of suffering, in the midst of waiting. You are literally filling yourself with him. You're getting heavy. You're getting God fat. You are getting to know him more and more and more. Okay. Being patient means to establish yourself in the Lord. Being patient means learning to become more faithful, learning to be more and more in love with the Lord. Being patient in the midst of suffering means you're drawing yourself closer to God more and more and more. Um, secondly, it says do not grumble against one another, right? Um, This, this is weird um, because when you're 
I don't get how it fits. You know, as I was reading the scripture, I was trying to figure out how it fits. Um, but it does fit. God's word is not random. Um, and he says, look, in the midst of being patient, uh, establish yourself in the Lord and, and don't grumble against one another. Um, I, I know if you're being mistreated, it's really hard not to complain and, and complain about your boss. If you're being mistreated by, by anyone, it's hard not to complain. It's hard not to talk bad about that person. It's hard not to just be frustrated. Um, but Michigan driving. Oh, I hate Michigan driving. Okay. <laughs> you guys do this very well. Um, Michigan driving. Here's why I think it, it, it relates so well. Because in Michigan driving, when there's a one lane merge, right, what do you guys do? You get over Okay, thank you, thank you. All right, um, right. But most of us, most of Michigan drivers, what do they do? They go to the left, like 500 yards away from where you're supposed to merge, right? And so people merge, and you know what? The people on the right lane, they stop so they could get to the left. You know how annoying that is, right? And and then so you're waiting on the left, and the people who are following the driving guidelines are literally pushing up all the way to the right, which is me. I will be that jerk and follow the rules, right, and go all the way up and then shift over, right? And all I can see people's faces to the left. They're like, what are you doing? Right? You, you got to merge earlier. What are you doing? This is, you can't do that. But look, hey, I'm just going within the guidelines. I'm just following the rules. I'm not just being patient. I'm being patient correctly. I'm going all the way forward, right? But here's the thing. Right? Everyone on the left is like, oh, what are you doing? Right? You're so worried about the people to your right that you don't even realize, man, you could have done the same thing. <laughs> right? You could have done the same thing. You're still, you could shift over to the right if you wanted to and, and stop complaining about the people to the, to the right, and yet you stay on the left lane. Right? It's this idea of when you see people doing well, when you see people getting out of that phase of, of suffering, right, people on the left lane, right, don't look at the people to the right and say, man, God, what the heck? God, look at them. What, look, why are they so happy? Right? <laughs> what are they doing? Right? But it's this concept of, of look, hey, don't worry about what's happening to other people. Don't bring, tear other people down with you. But be patient. If you're going to stay on the left, stay on the left. Stay there. Enjoy it. Enjoy that phase. And, and so this is why in James 2 it says this, in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering, right, uh, which we went in. Uh, earlier, James uh, chapter 2, 2 to 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be a perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Guys, I speak uh, because this is what God's word. I'm not speaking from experience. This is a really hard sermon for me because... Uh, I don't know what it's like to suffer. 
Okay? I don't know what, what that entails. And if I have suffered, I have not suffered to a point where I'm getting beaten for something or I'm getting mistreated for something. But for some reason, God's word says this. When this happens, when you do suffer, when, because when you accept Jesus into your life, you're also accepting his suffering, right? And you are going to suffer with him because you bear his name. When that happens, he says, be patient. Count that joy. Because when you are suffering for the sake of Christ, you know what that is? It's evidence that you belong to Jesus. Being patient and establishing yourself in the Lord and not worrying about other people, okay, but if anything, cheering them on. You know, when people pass to my right and I'm on the left, I say, respect, man, good for you, okay. That's the same attitude we should have in the midst of patience. When people pass us, you say, respect to you. God, praise you for what you're doing in that person. Do you realize that when God works in us, when in various trials and in suffering and in times where we have to wait for that material thing, God is growing us. Do you realize he's making you better? He's making you a better husband. He's making you a better father, a wife, better girlfriend, better boyfriend. Better kid. Better child of God. In the midst of suffering or non-suffering phases, God is working in us. And he's saying, be patient. Get to know me. Don't just sit around, but get to know me. And don't worry about what other people are doing. If you are worried about what other people are doing, look at what God's doing in them and praise that. Respect that. And here's why we don't grumble. James gives us the perfect answer of why we don't grumble against each other. Why we don't complain in the midst of suffering. Why we don't loathe in it. Okay, why we don't get ourselves down and, and, and look at ourselves and get all um, hot and bothered about it, right? There's a guy named Job. Uh, if you don't know him, uh, Job is not, not Steve Job, but Job in the Bible, right? Um, Job within the Bible, uh, this dude, um, another wealthy guy, okay, probably not as rich as uh, Solomon, but he was pretty well off, uh, perfect family, had land, had whatever, I don't know, cattle, <laughs> is that what you say? <laughs> whatever livestock there is, right, he had all that stuff, um, his kids loved Jesus, um, his family loved Jesus. If you think of a perfect family, Job probably had it. Um, but one day uh, in, in Job, um, God and Satan are conversing, okay, that, that happens. Um, and Satan says, look, I bet you that Job is going to turn away from you. I bet you if I, you let me do whatever you want to Job, he's going to turn away from you. Uh, and God says, okay. Do it, right? In, in verse 13, now there was a, a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Okay. Next, uh, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God fell from heaven 
and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. All right? Job's life is, is literally getting flipped upside down. Okay? While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups. And made a raid on the camels and took them and struck them down and the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Okay. Um, and while, again, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine and they're in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell upon them and crushed them. They're all dead and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job rose and tore his, tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Example number one, Job. You think your suffering and your pain is so great? James says, look at Job. Everything was taken away from him. Is your example of suffering equivalent to Job? Example number two, Jesus, right? Jesus was spit on. There, there are so many descriptive words as to how Jesus has suffered while he was here on this earth. While he was looking at you and I. He was spit on. He was punched in the face. He was slapped. Have you ever been slapped in the face for no reason? Not by a kid, but by a grown man? What would you do? You'd probably slap him back. That's only the right thing to do, right? <laughs> but what does Jesus do? He says, no. Go ahead, slap me. Go ahead, spit in my face. I love you. Go ahead, hit me. Put those crown of thorns on me. I love you. Has that ever happened to you? And I think the reason why Job puts, uh, James put these two examples is to show us that, look, our suffering in comparison to Job and in comparison to Jesus is very minimal. Not to say the least, okay, but what he's also trying to show us is that, look, if these guys could be patient and establish themselves in the Lord, if Job could get everything taken away and yet love Jesus at the end of all of it, you can too. You can be patient. You can devote yourself to the Lord. If Job could do that, we can too. Parents, you know, there, there, there are these two examples of Job and Jesus, obviously. But kids are watching you. Are you an example of someone who is patient? Are you an example to your wife or to your husband? Are you an example to your family or to people around you? Do people see you as a patient person? Grumbling does not bring out the gospel that is in us. It does not bring us, it does not bring it forward. But imagine grumbling, uh, not grumbling in the midst of suffering. How many people are going to ask, hey, why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you doing anything about this? And you know what you could say? I don't know, Jesus. I don't know, Jesus is, is telling me not to. You know how 
big of an example you could be to your kids and to others around you? And this is the same thing. This is what James is trying to get at here. Be patient. Establish yourself in the Lord. Do not grumble. Set an example to those who are going to be after you. Because don't you think that if your kids see you being an example of of patience, being an example of the Lord, that your story won't be talked about to their kids' kids and their kids' kids and their kids' kids? You know, I stand up here and I think about how my mom has been patient. My dad has been patient, right? We, we could talk about how uh, Ron Clintworth has been patient. We could talk about how the elders have been patient, right? Those are stories. Those are, you guys can be that. And that's what James is saying. You guys can be an example of what patience looks like. And if you don't know how, look at Job. Look at Jesus. Look at the gospel. Look at the gospel that you have accepted. This is what patience looks like. It's not sitting around, but it's being proactive. It's not sitting around, but it's trusting in the Lord. It's not sitting around, but it's being dependent on the Lord and riding the wave on which he's taking you to. So be patient. Be patient because of the gospel. Be patient. Establish yourself and fall in love with Jesus. Be patient and cheer on other people and say respect to them. Let's pray. God, in 1 Corinthians, it says, For this light, this momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. God, this life here on this earth is very temporary. As As a young man, as a young husband, it's hard for me to understand that. But there are people in here who are suffering, who understand, who are in a phase of where things hurt. And God, that message today and what you're telling them is to be patient. Be patient because the Lord will take care of whatever's happening. Be patient because the Lord's hand is in all of it. God, I just ask. Um, if we are suffering, uh, if we are in the phase of suffering where we are experiencing pain, uh, that we remember you. We remember what you did on that cross, all that you have done. And if we're not, if we're not in that phase of, of not being in pain, um, that we will get to know you that we will get to, we will read the word, we will read the Bible, we will get to know who this God of the Bible is. Because when that time of suffering comes, that we have those scriptures, we have the word to hold on to. The two most annoying words, be patient, are the two words where we can see you do the most work in us. God, I think this building is evidence of what it's like to be patient. I think there are so many people around this room that are examples of what it's like to be patient. Parents who have waited years and years to have their first child. People who are having knee problems and are able to finally fix it. 
people who have lost sons and daughters in the midst of all that pain God you say be patient because you you are there and so God I just ask as, as for you young people in here people who have not experienced much pain that we will look up to those examples that we will ask stories of, man, mom, what have you gone through? Dad, what have you gone through? How has the Lord worked in all of this? That we ask those stories. God, you love us in the midst of suffering, in the midst of whatever phase of life we're in, you love us. God, help us not to forget that, that you do not leave us alone. In Jesus' name we pray.